Two weeks ago, Pastor Astani came over and spoke on um, Proverbs chapter 2 and uh, got half of it. He left me a little segment, and so uh, I've got to finish that tonight. And uh, it's really an addendum to uh, chapter 2. And when I looked at the notes, I'm like, okay, that's probably not what I would have chosen. But then I thought, no, don't say that. This is the Word of God. And uh, all of the Word applies. And so we either can utilize it immediately in our own lives, what we hear from the Word, or we, we already maybe have conquered in that area. And so it's reemphasized so that we can share with others and help others. I am so glad that all ministry in this church doesn't take place on this platform. A small percentage takes place on this platform. Most ministry in this church takes place in lives like yours. And outside of this building, throughout the week, ministry is taking place, lives are being touched, and the word is being proclaimed, and I Thank God for each and every one of you that are doing that. Now, uh, Proverbs chapter 2. The whole book of Proverbs is about wisdom, and that's why I guess I love it. It's an incredible book. And uh, Solomon, of course, when he became king, uh, I don't know uh, where his wisdom or intellect or IQ was, but when God came to him in a dream and said, what do you want? Ask me. He had enough wisdom already, uh, or maybe he was just desperate at that point in his life to say, God, give me wisdom. And so he writes for us the book of Proverbs. Uh, Not all of them are are his, but almost probably 97% of Proverbs is Solomon's. And so we read it and uh, we see the truth in it. And God deposited in this man more wisdom expressed than in any other man that had ever been born to that time and probably since. So Proverbs is a book about wisdom and it's a book that shares with us it is greater than money. How many of you could use some more money? You, you knew that was a trick question. All right, so anyway, yes, I know you. it's not a trick question. You could use more money, but how many of you could use more wisdom? All right, I hope every hand went up because even if you have more money, if you don't have the wisdom to spend it and manage it, like Pastor Jim was saying, you will run out in short order, all right? And so you need wisdom. You don't need a, 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 a huge sum unless you have equal corresponding godly wisdom. That is why most people that inherit a large sum of money, they go through it rather quickly because they don't have the wisdom to manage a large sum of money. But how many of you would like to try? All right, so I believe you would. So wisdom is expressed in the uh, book of Proverbs. Uh, There's so many incredible nuggets uh, of truth. And in Proverbs chapter 2, the last uh, few verses from 10 on down to the end of the chapter, he starts talking about 
wisdom to live a life of purity. Wisdom to live a life of purity. And he doesn't only address men, he addresses women. And he talks about how we can walk in purity and have the wisdom to God of God to overcome in every area. I like, um, the first verse I'm gonna give you is a New Testament verse. It's out of Colossians chapter two, verse three. And it says this, in whom are hidden, talking about God, in Christ, in God the Father, is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So if you um, want more wisdom, it's all found in Jesus Christ and the Father and through the Word of God. Most of, of the express wisdom of God is right here in these pages. Say amen, all right? So we study the Word of God to show ourselves approved unto God, rightly dividing the Word of truth. So most of it is expressed right here, and that is why it is necessary to hear the Word, read the Word, study the word to get it into our lives because it is the wisdom of God. In the beginning was the what? The word and the word was with God and the word was God. And so logos, it is an expression of Jesus Christ, the living word of God. Now, let me read to you verses 10 and 12, Proverbs chapter two. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you. And then it says in verse 12, to deliver you from the way of evil. To deliver you from the way of evil. From the man who speaks perverse things or has no boundaries on the goodness of his conversation. He speaks perverse things. Folks, we need wisdom to live in an evil age. We need wisdom. My heart uh, was so saddened today even when I saw that in a, in a news clip that a 15-year-old girl that had been taken in Texas and sex traffic at 12 years of age, had come home, was rescued, somehow they got her, brought her home. She's 15 years old now and just taken her life because of what she went through. The thoughts, when, when I think about the evil that's out there, um, and that's why we need to be light in darkness because it is dark out there in this world. So you and I need to go out into this world and be the light because it's darker than we even realize. When I realize right now, this moment, in Orlando, there are young women that are slaves to the uh, sex trafficking of just the evil that has to be in the heart of a man or even a woman to take a young girl or middle-aged child uh, to take her and use her so despicably is beyond my imagination. But to think it's going on right now. 
That is why we need to see Orlando changed by the power of God. This city needs Jesus. And the Awaken was all about getting serious about God, putting God first in our lives and overcoming in every area and praise and worship, yes, but it was being a believer that's going to conquer this city. So I'm praying and trusting that that whole revival, those four nights and, and uh, even that Sunday, that God would have his way in our lives and then we go out into this city and we make a difference and into the world through missions, we are making a difference. Uh, I got an email from a lady that watches online. She could be watching online right now as far as I know, but uh, there's quite a few people that are. But this lady, she lives in another state. She considers this her church home. She watches on a regular basis. And she said, the Sunday morning, we were talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit with speaking in, in tongues. She said, I was watching and I literally fell to my knees and began to speak in a heavenly language. Uh, somebody watching online. And uh, I just thought God is moving in some incredible ways. Amen. There was a wonderful older lady that I saw coming into service. I believe it was Sunday night. She said, Pastor, she said, I prayed with two ladies through to the baptism in the back of the building. And I'm like, you can't do that. They got to come to the front. And no, uh, she didn't care. She saw the need and she went for it, praying through somebody into the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Folks, that is what this city needs to be, for us to be filled and then for us to go out and that fullness overflow into somebody's life. Well, I better get back to the notes or uh, get sidetracked here. All right, so the addendum to Proverbs chapter two in walking in purity is this. The myth of greener pastures and conquering impure thoughts. The myth of greener pastures and conquering impure thoughts. Why, in its common saying, why does the grass always look greener on the other side? Why does the appeal, why does the enemy, how does he have the capacity to make the grass look greener somewhere where we should not go? Well, it may be because it's over a septic tank, all right? So that may be one reason the grass is greener. I shouldn't have said that, but anyway, uh, it's too late now. The myth of greener pastures and conquering impure thoughts. Um, this has been something that mainly in, has been um, a man issue, but it's not becoming that anymore. It's becoming a woman issue too, even as Solomon dealt with in chapter two, in the last part of that chapter, as a woman that falls into immorality and falls into the clutches of sin, Satan doesn't care what kind of sin we fall into. He just wants us to fall into some sin. And women are not basically those that end up, uh, you know, on a computer going to someone's house to meet a, a middle-aged boy. That, that doesn't usually happen. But this is a snare that the enemy is using. Guys are getting online and they're socially awkward or what? I don't know what their problem is other than a sin problem. 
and then to drive somewhere to meet some young lady underage and then be arrested and their life changed forever. If there's anybody in here that uh, is on the computer and you think you're talking to somebody underage, you better run for your life. You better run to the altar. That's where you better run because I have had in my office young men broken and shattered, never done anything wrong in their lives uh, as far as criminally and now facing jail time. One man in his 60s going, going to go to jail and I'm broken over it, but I know what's gonna happen. And one mom that came to me and said they ensnared him, said, Mom, if he could have done it, he probably would have. And so he's in jail, maybe there even as I speak. It's sad, but sin ensnares. Christ liberates. Sin ensnares. Christ liberates. How many of you want to live in liberation? Thank God. We don't have to be ensnared. But here's some evidence. Maybe this doesn't apply to you. Well, it applies to everybody, but maybe it's not a problem. But you know someone that it may be a problem. So let's talk about it. Some evidences of impure thoughts. Number one, justification of sensual activities. Justifying sensual activities. Number two, lack of concentration and instability. Lack of concentration and instability. James chapter one, verse eight says, the man without wisdom to live in purity is what it's talking about before verse eight, is a double-minded man. He's got one foot in the world and one, one foot, so to speak, in the church. And he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Number three, impure words and actions. All right, uh, let me just pick it up, guys, if you can. I'm not sure you can. Verse 14, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. They have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. Wow, that is strong language. But Peter, writing these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they are accursed children. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. And I'm sure most of you know the story of Balaam. Balaam was a prophet of God. He was used of God. He believed in Jehovah God. And so he was a prophet. Uh, and Balak, the king of the Moabites, came to him or sent an entourage to him to say, come and curse the Israelites. Now it's interesting because um, he comes or they come to him and Balaam says, let me pray about it. Now listen, let me pray about this. So he prays about it and God answers him and says, no. And so he gets up and he tells the entourage, I cannot go. They go back, tell the king, he sends them back. And uh, they said, the king really wants you to come and he's gonna bless you and give you money. Balaam's like, you know what? Let me pray again. 
Now, folks, let me stop right there. Let me stop right there, okay? Because um, when you pray and when you know what God says, when you pray and when you know what God says, don't pray again, <laughs> all right? And sometimes you don't pray at all about something. If you are a single man, you don't pray about dating an unsaved girl. And you've been doing that and you need to stop. And so, uh, so you don't pray about dating an unsaved girl. No, that's unscriptural. So you don't even pray about it. Because if you start praying about it, the devil may answer your prayer, all right? So do not pray about it. And so there's times you don't pray about something and then there's times you don't pray about it the second time. Balaam prayed about it again. And so the, it was like the Lord said, go. Sometimes the Lord just lets us go when we're determined we're gonna go anyway. We, he wanted to go or he would have never prayed the second time. He already knew what God said. So he goes. And that's when the donkey squeezed his leg against the wall. He deserved it. And so, uh, and then he was going to literally take his sword. He said, I should kill you. And the donkey looked up and talked to him. <laughs> Great story. Incredible. I love this story. I, just an incredible story. Talking donkey, uh, praying the wrong way, covetousness in the man of God. You know, not every prophet is, uh, is going to answer to God and do what God says. And so anyway, it ends up that Balak, the king of the Moabites, oh, that's interesting because the Moabites were literally of the kindred of the Israelites. It was, they were the descendants of Lot. Lot, the nephew of Abraham who was the father of the Israelites. Lot was the father of the Moabites who turned to evil and did not serve the God of Abraham. They did it one time. Lot did at one time, but he turned his back. And uh, as a result, if you follow the story all the way to its conclusion, Balaam could not curse God would not let him when he tried. He could not curse. And he ended up blessing them with a verbal blessing. But then that sneaky little rascal comes back to the king. He wanted that money so bad. He wanted that money and that acknowledgement so bad. He comes back and he tells him, here's what you do. You invite the Israelite boys over for a party for your wild girls. And some of those wild girls seduced those Israelites. And one Israelite boy even brought one of them back into his tent. Somebody runs in, rams a spear through. Oh, it's an incredible story. Anyway, all right. So if you have never read it, you need to read it. What? They should make a movie out of that. All right. So anyway, big money there. But when you realize, Lot, where did these descendants come from? His two daughters got him drunk and had a child by Lot. Whoa. I mean, what a story of turning away from God and the results of it. The Moabites were defeated by the Israelites and uh, they were defeated long before then because 
uh, Balak and the Moabites had already turned away from God. Well, anyway, didn't mean to get into all that, but number four, rejection. When someone is bound by uh, sin and impurity, there's a rejection or a distortion of Scripture. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Folks, I think we're there, all right? So how many of you are going to endure sound doctrine? You're going to stay in the Word of God. You're not going to take it flippantly. You're not going to say, I know what the Word says, but you're not going to say that. Don't ever forget, goats, but sheep say, yes, yeah. All right, so goats, but I know what the, and how many of you have ever heard someone say that? I know what the word says, but there's that, but they do not walk in the word. Our attitude needs to be, uh, my situation is bad, but I'm going to follow the word of God. That's what I'm going to do. I, I don't know how I'm going to fix this, but I'm going to follow God's plan for my life. That's what we need to say. But instead, according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers who make them feel good. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned uh, into fables. Number five. A person that is bound by this sin is, has a contempt for authority. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 10, and especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They have no limitations. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. We are living in an age. God help America. This country needs God. This country needs a revival. This country needs a return to God. And it almost seems like an impossibility, but with God, all things are possible. And once more, this nation could fall on its knees before God and millions of people could be converted. And that is what God desires. He desires that all men everywhere repent and turn to him. Number six, looking with desire. Matthew chapter five, verse 27 and 28. This is the word of God. This is Jesus speaking. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Um, wow. Grace requires more than even the law did. Because Jesus is saying here, you've heard it said in the law, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, under grace, that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Um, ladies, you will never fully understand men. Will you? And men, we know that we will never fully understand women. Why? Because we're different and I'm never going to be a woman. And you ladies are never going to be a man. Uh, 
that I know that they're genuine people that are wonderful people that, that are transgender and they think they're a woman, but they will never be a woman. And they will never think like uh, a woman. If they're a man, it's impossible. And so we are so different. Ladies, the reason I'm saying that is because you are affected in the area of, of sexuality. You are affected so different than men are. Men are mostly affected by what? Sight. By sight. And that is what the enemy uses every way possible. He tries to use that against men. And so, ladies, please pay attention to that. Help us out. And always dress modestly as, you know, I'm not saying... Uh, it's all right if some clap. <laughs> so... Uh, it is true. I mean, everybody on Wednesday night, I'm sure dress is good. All right. But we're, we're pray for any that show up on the weekend that uh, are not dressed properly. Now, ladies, listen, it's not your job to stand at the doors and any guest that comes through looking like she's uh, just come from the streets. You are not to go to her and say, you need to go get some clothes on. All right. So, no. That's the Holy Spirit's job because the Holy Spirit can help them to understand. We need them to get saved so the Holy Spirit can speak to them. And then they'll be open to others speaking to them in love, of course. All right. But ladies, realize men don't need to come to church and be worshiping God while they're like, oh, dear Jesus. Jesus, help me. I got to keep my eyes here. It's a good thing. I'm going to come in here. I'm just going to look at you, Lord. I'm just going to look at you. Can't, nope, can't look around. I'm just going to look at you. No, it's not, um, it's not what I would consider a problem here, but uh, you just need to be aware of that, that men are impacted by sight, and it is true. And we don't want to affect anybody. We don't want to cause anybody to have a problem. We, and, uh, you know, I know this is so controversial. Um, I know back when there was a funeral a year or so ago that there was a singer that got up and I'm extremely, I heard, it was on the news and extremely short, short, short outfit, not appropriate really for a funeral and there were some pastors or preachers or politicians on the platform and some of them were looking and boy, social media lit up. And even one woman said, it wouldn't matter if she had hardly any clothes on. They shut, that's their problem. Oh, I'm like, you dumb woman. Oh, you have no clue what you're saying. You have no clue how silly and ridiculous. Ladies, just trust me, all right? Um, men are affected by sight. I don't know what all you're affected by, but anyway, and so um, I'm not a woman. Alice has let me in on a few things, but that's about it, all right? So God help us to walk in purity. God help us to walk in wisdom so that we can overcome in these areas. Satan wants to ensnare us, and uh, God help us to make sure 
as we run out of time here, God makes sure that he helps us and will help us to overcome in every area. Let me leave you with this one statement. Guys, don't even look for it. Satan always tries to get us to overestimate the joy of sin. He always tries to get us to overestimate the joy of sin and underestimate the consequences of sin. Uh, boy, the consequences are great. All lot greater than the joy will ever be. Um, boy, I see the wisdom. As I've been here so many years, I, I see people who have made unwise choices and have lived to regret it because they did not have the wisdom to understand what Solomon was trying to get across to men and women in this area. And so they were like, I'm the exception or it won't happen to me or I want to be happy. And so I'm going to make a decision based on something that is not wise or prudent for my life. And then to see them spiral out of control in their spiritual lives, of course, if they were a believer. And then in every other area, if it's an unbeliever, they just spiral out of control. God help us. We want to make the right decisions. We want to base it on the word of God. We don't want to do anything that's not as best we can according to God's word. That's why God said to Cain, Cain, hey. Do right and you'll feel right. Do wrong and you'll feel wrong. And he said, hey, it's just a simple answer, Cain. You're, you're feeling bad about your brother. His sacrifice being accepted, yours not. All you got to do is do right, Cain, and you'll feel right. Let's do right and we're going to feel right. Amen. Bow your heads with us, please. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your word. Thank you for the wisdom of Proverbs that speaks to every area of our lives. God, we pray in Jesus' name. We pray, God, if there are those sitting in this building tonight that do not know you as Lord and Savior, I pray, God, that tonight as the Holy Spirit moves on them, even this moment, God, that they would say yes, yes to your forgiveness, yes to your love. God, I pray, speak to every heart in life here, O Lord God, that does not have that relationship with you that they need. And while every head is bowed, please, I'm just going to ask, you're sitting here, you don't know Christ. You're sitting here, you know about him. You believe in him. You believe in him in your mind, but you don't have a relationship. That's why the word says it's not enough just to believe speaking of in our minds. No, the demons believe and tremble, the Bible says. They believe. Anybody can believe with your mind that there is a God, but it's more than that. It's a relationship. It's who he wants to be in your life. It's the fact that he loves you and died for you and wants to help you and change your life and give you joy and help you to walk according to his plan for your life. God has plans for you that 
you can't even hardly believe if you, if you were to see them all laid out before you. Across this building, if you need Christ, you need forgiveness, you need to get right with God, slip your hand up now. Let me see it. I want to pray for you. God bless you. Others, quickly, just slip your hand up. You're in this building on this Wednesday night. You need Christ. You need a relationship with God. Up in the risers, you need Jesus. The Holy Spirit is here. And the Holy Spirit is drawing you, convicting you, pointing out your need of Christ. Anybody else? Anyone else here? Anyone else here? God bless you. Father, in the name of Jesus, my God and my Lord, help us, oh God. Help us to establish our hearts, to be diligent, Lord God, so that we're facing forward and we're not turning back. Our focus is on you, and in you is found hidden all the riches and the treasures of wisdom. God, thank you. Thank you, Lord God, for revealing that wisdom to us through you. Stand with us, please, everyone. Father, in Jesus' name, my God and my Lord, my God and my Lord, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We're going to open these altars, and no matter what your need is, if you raise your hand, you need Christ, I plead with you. Don't stop where you started, all right, tonight. You raised your hand for one reason. The Holy Spirit prompted you. So don't stop there. Make your way to this altar area and say, when you get here, Jesus, I'm making a commitment to you. I need forgiveness. And so tonight, whatever your need is as a believer, maybe you need healing. He's a healer. I don't know why everybody is not healed, but I know he's a healer, amen? And so no matter what others may have experienced, if you need a healing, you need to come saying, Lord, I'm believing you. You are Jehovah Rapha. You are the healer. And so, Lord, I'm coming to be healed. So step out and come and be healed in Jesus' name.